So welcome, welcome everybody. This is a new human experience. Today is March the 7th, 2019. And tonight's topic is internal dialogue. And, um, and the most people, everybody has internal dialogue. As long as you, um, like, as, or I should say, as soon as, as we learn a language, whether it is our native tongue, the, our mother tongue, or a new language, or whatever it is, as soon as we learn language, we actually, the, um, the, the internal dialogue starts. That's how we communicate or talk to ourselves. A lot of times we don't really notice it because, um, especially when we are young, we just think that this is normal. That's, yeah, you talk to yourself and that's very normal. <clears throat> and um, I actually didn't really um, realize that I, I've been talking to myself. I didn't really realize it till I was in my maybe teen, maybe I forgot what, but around teen years, like, 12, 13, that kind of time frame when I suddenly realized, oh, I talk to myself. I have this, this voice that talked to myself. And, um, and actually, a lot of the times I, I, I really rely on this internal dialogue. And I really pay attention to this internal dialogue, even though most of the time it's not very nice to me a lot of the times. It, it would say, oh, no, don't go there. Don't do this because bad things are going to happen to you. Or, or tell me something like, oh, you ate how much food? That's a lot. You big fat pig. How can you eat that much food? And, you know, when, I'm, when I was a young teenager, it's like my stomach is bottomless. I can eat like 10 times um, more than I can eat right now and still like barely feel like I am full at all. Whereas now I eat a little bit and I feel it already. So you can imagine what my, uh, um, my <clears throat> internal dialogue would have been. And I really didn't have any um, issue with my internal dialogue. I just accept it as a part of me until I finally, um, I, I would say finally, maybe about five, six years ago, all of a sudden, I realized something that what the, what is the, what is the, 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 how should I say it? What is the, the reason or the, the, the role that this internal dialogue is doing? It's, it's taking over. It's actually took over my ability to experience instead of allowing myself to just you know go for example go on a merry-go-round ride i would the internal dialogue would kind of just interpret everything for me oh this is happening now now you're supposed to feel scared oh this is happening oh you're supposed to feel angry oh that is happening you're supposed to feel sad blah 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 and instead of feeling and experiencing the sadness or the happiness or the you know, excitement or scary part and and all of those i actually only experience what my internal dialogue tells me that i should experience and I suddenly like 
stroke of genius about five, six years ago, I all of a sudden realized that is what's happening. And so ever since then, I've been doing more and more to just allow myself to experience rather than to listen to my internal dialogue telling me how I should feel. Because um, I, I find that a lot of the times my internal dialogue is fear-based. I, I wouldn't say all of it, but a lot of the times it is fear-based. It is trying very hard to protect me. And I know that's, that's not a bad thing. However, um, I starting, I'm starting to not want to be protected by fear. I would rather be protected by love by, by experience, by joy. I'd rather have other things to protect me than to um, buy into this fear-based conversation. So that's when I start to pay more attention to my internal dialogue. And as I work more with clients, I actually, a lot of times, I see my clients show up and when I first meet them, they are dynamic. They are just um, like, I see so much potential in them. But when I actually start to work with them and hear their, their, the issues that we're working on during our sessions, a lot of the times my clients would, like some, some sessions they would be really good. And in other sessions, all of a sudden, I would see them completely deflated. It's, it's really like um, somebody poke a hole in them and they completely, they no longer look, feel, or sound like the original wonderful being that I saw the first time I, I met them. And um, most of the time, it's because of their own internal dialogue. That's why I want to um, really do a podcast on this is internal dialogue is there's a reason for the internal dialogue and as um, my experience with my own internal dialogue is that it is trying to or is doing a job to protect us however it's because it's only a um, it's not the real person is not the real me it's only a um, like a mini me or i should say or the e the ego trying to protect me and i'm not saying that ego is always a bad thing however the the ego um is not me and the ego is only can see because and it's exactly because the ego is not all of me it's only a part of me, so it has rather limited resources. It, it actually has a perspective of limitation. It has a perspective of fear-based because it is not the, the, the totality of us. It's only a fraction of us. And this, it's, it's kind of like, you know, um, like a full-grown person can help themselves they can go find a job, make money, buy themselves whatever they need. And that's the analogy of the totality of me. The totality of me is capable and can create whatever it is that I need. However, the ego is only like the 
three-year-old or maybe five-years-old version of me. And that really limited part of me really um, is not very empowered. It does not know how to go out and like you know, get money. It does not know how to cook them for themselves or take care of themselves. The only thing it can do is to kind of you know throw tantrums and be afraid of everything. So that's for me. That's the analogy of the difference between the ego part of me and the totality of me. So the internal dialogue is is always um, from the point of view of the, the the ego. So it's it's really seeing everything from a very limited part of, of um, me, even though the ego has good intentions, is trying to protect itself and also it thinks that like the, the five-year-old thing that it is all of me, but it is not. So that's, that's why a lot of times the internal dialogue, um, if you really pay, if all you do is pay attention to your internal dialogue, you may be only listening to one um, stream of stories. You're not really looking at all the other options that, that me, I, the, the real me, have options of so many other things rather than just a very limited part of me. So that's what the internal, that's why internal dialogue most of the time will get us in trouble and make us feel small and fearful and limited and um and all that so how to get out of that because this internal dialogue is has been with me for as long as i can remember and even though i'm onto it i know that oh, okay pay attention to my internal dialogue and always and and um not really pay attention, but observe it, to observe it and know that it is there and know that, oh, okay, this internal dialogue is not going to a happy place. So whenever it's not going to a happy place, I just, okay, yeah, okay, switch to another channel. So, but they're still there. What can I do? So I thought of a few things to, or, or I should say, I become more aware of, what it really is, and um, and also how, maybe some ways of getting away from this internal dialogue. I remember a while ago, I, I heard this um, description of what thinking is, the, the thinking is. We think that we, or well, we believe that we think, that we create thoughts, it's actually not the case. We don't create thoughts. We actually, our brain is, um, is not wired to think. We're actually wired to perceive thoughts. So we, um, it's, and I have, um, and I can substantiate that because when I, it depends on where I go. Sometimes if I go to, let's say a movie theater, I would, random thoughts would just come. Like I, have, I seem to have no control over it. Even though my 
my um, objective is really to go see a movie, but random thoughts would just come. Does not matter of whether uh, it's has any relationship to what's happening in my life or not. Random thoughts just comes. So, for example, sometimes I would say, oh, I would, I would all of a sudden like feel angry, and um. And part of the reason is because I sense other people's energy. So I kind of pick up on their energy and their thoughts. So, so then it's not really my thought. It's just that my brain perceived a thought pattern. And, I am, um, and when I perceive a thought pattern, and there is actually, um, if my own experiences in the past, makes me more um, resonate with, with a particular thought pattern, then I actually, like those two kind of link up. So that's when I would say, oh, all of a sudden I feel fearful. I would all of a sudden have all these memories of things that um, I have, may have just heard or my own experience or just something that I read on the news that you know, bad things happen to to other people and, and all that. So that's really what um, is go, coming through in my mind. So thoughts, to think that, to, or to believe that we have these thoughts is not exactly the truth. We perceive thoughts and we have experiences which um, may support those thought patterns. So the thinking is not me because um, a being does not really think. A being actually feels, we, we perceive, we um, experience. And when we really let go of thinking part and actually just concentrate on experience. For example, if I meet um, someone, um, old friend or new friend, does not matter. If all I'm concentrating on is just being, focusing on the experiencing of that person, then um, that's one way of being in reality. However, if we, um, instead of experiencing that person, all we do is think about, oh, okay, I, I have to you know, rush because like, this person is talking so much because I have to rush home and do other things. If instead of experiencing whatever it is that's right in front of us in this moment of now, we actually let all these other thoughts that is taking up our attention, then we can't really experience. We, it's taking out of our experience. So the internal dialogue is a way of taking us out of the experience that we actually come here for. We didn't, we didn't um, come on earth to think. I know there is, there are actually, um, philosophers that says, I think therefore I am, and our thinking abilities have been 
put on pedestals and we used to really look up to people who have great thoughts and who can reason and all that and i would look at that and say that's how that's very backward thinking because how is that really contributing to our human experience here yes there is um there are knowledge there are really wonderful knowledge wonderful technology and we think that or oh, oh, i should okay, i should let go of, of saying that we think that we believe that our brain actually um thought of all that is actually not the case we actually a lot of the information is we perceive it even the, all the technological things we perceive it that is why a lot of the times the same invention for example um, the invention of um, like aeroplane the there are actually more than one group of people not the not the rights brother I think it's the rights brother that was credited to be the first um, first group that created a flying machine some um, some mechanical um, gadget that can actually take a human being to fly however that same thought that same idea actually there are other groups in other parts of the world that has the same thing and that's because the idea is in the collective um, is, is, is kind of in the collective brain and the people that are ready to take those ideas perceive it and also has the technical skills to make it into something that works so those would be the people that actually um, would take those ideas and create the technology so that's what I mean by we perceive ideas we don't actually think it yes we we can reason sure but creative um, really creation really technologically advanced and um, I would say really groundbreaking creation it's really something that is perceived rather than it's we can't really take any um, credit for it so that's one way of picking of, of um, looking at internal dialogue that thinking is we don't think we perceive and then the other thing is that um, that this thinking part is actually taking us away from experiencing and when we actually let go of the the major focus on on thinking and really move into our heart center then we get back into experiencing and when you move into experiencing it's a very different 
it's a very different kind of existence. You would feel much more grounded. You would feel full of possibilities. Because when you actually just experiencing, you are getting back to being connected to all and everything. When you think, especially when you think of I, I think, or I think therefore I, I am, is this I, this I is actually what separates us. And when we move out of the separation and into oneness again, and that's what we are all moving towards, is really letting go of this um, individualism to think that, yeah, we, we think and we create this. No, it's in the collective. We perceive it. And when we get back into the collective, um, we actually get back into infinite possibilities, I think is the, the best way to see it. That's when we can actually create everything from nothing because that's who we really are, is we are infinite. And when we move out of the illusion that there is only I and I need to survive and I can do this and I blah, 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 and really understand that you're just a an awareness and you're just a particular viewpoint and that when you move out of this I am into just this vast awareness, then you can get out of feeling sad, you can get out of feeling fearful, you can get out of thinking that, oh, I'm not good enough because you can only be not good enough. You can only be not beautiful enough and you can only be um, whatever failure or, or whatever form of failure that you want to, you want to um, endow yourself with. You can only be that when you are an individual and you're comparing yourself with some other individual that is like, prettier, younger, better, whatever it is. And when you get back into knowing that you're not this I, you're actually a part of all that is. And this I is only a perspective. And when you shift back to a different perspective of oneness, then the internal dialogue is much easier to let go of. Because when you really realize that the I that is in the internal dialogue is really not real, then it's much easier to not listen to it and much easier to just be aware and observe it and not be carried away and, and you don't have to listen to anything that's your internal dialogue is telling you, even if it tells you that, oh, you should be sad because that person was treating you bad. That's just a thought. That person is treating me bad. But, you know, how is me being sad going to um, make the situation better? So 
that's really what I want to um, say on internal dialogue. <laughs> so, uh, yes, hang on, hang on, I'm just trying to unmute you. Okay, yes, you unmuted, Tatiana. Let's bring on. So, Vinnie, how uh, you said that we don't think, we just perceive, and um, how you can, um, your internal dialogue, uh, dialogue, how you can separate it from intuition? What if it's your intuition? What if uh, the same oneness want to, you know, tell you something? Okay, sure. Uh, so you're still perceiving because your it's just that instead of perceiving from your your ego or perceiving from one perspective you're perceiving it from uh, your soul from your higher self so you're still perceiving i'm not telling you to not listen to your internal dialogue ever again i'm just saying that you have a choice to listen to the dialogue that you believe or you in in that moment um, feel will really help you and those are the the internal dialogue that you want to listen to and in, there will always be internal dialogue that how you can recognize if it help you or it's it's just your ego <laughs> okay Usually you can tell because the ego is always from a very limited it's limit because the ego is only a part of you. So it will, so the, 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 the dialogue will be more like you're not good enough. You know, this will never work for you or um, don't do this because you know, you may get hurt. So all those things. So when you can really feel that when it is only from a very limited, you feel when you feel, um, let's see how should I feel, when you feel contracted, when the internal dialogue makes you feel more contracted, like you may wake up feeling really wonderful and all of a sudden your internal dialogue start telling you, Oh, you haven't done this. Oh, you better do that. Otherwise, um, you know, you're not going to be able to, to, to pay rent or whatever. So those, you can tell when you can feel contracted, you know that it is only from a very limited perspective. So that's how you tell the difference between um, internal dialogue that you perceive from your ego versus and some message that's from your soul or higher self. Because um, when your soul tells you, hey, why don't you, you know, go to um, uh, like, go call a friend and have a chat with them, then that may be something that um, you want to listen to because it could be that that friend needs your help or it could be that that friend knows someone who can make a connection for you that's going to help you in achieving what it is that you want to do. Thank you. Did that answer you? Okay, great. Okay, wonderful. So um, instead of the regular meditation, actually I want to 
um, I'm reading this book and I really find that it is um, very relevant and pertinent to what we're talking today. So I would like to spend the rest of the time to just read this. Um, actually, just read chapter one of this book. This book is called, um, I'll, I'll actually let you see, The Direct Means to Eternal Bliss. So this book is by, uh, what's his name? Michael Langford. So chapter one is just a couple of pages, so I'm just going to um, read it for you. It's very, it can actually explain all this about um, much better than I have been able to. So, so chapter one, impost, the imposter. The following definitions are only for the purpose of the teachings in this book. These are the definitions of the words ego, self, and thought that will be used in this book. Thought. Thoughts are words of your language in your mind. If your native language is English and you write in English and speak English, those same English words in your mind are thoughts. Some people may speak, write, and think in more than one language. Ego. Ego is the thought I. The ego is the I thought. I am happy. I am sad. I did this. I did that. There are so many sentences in thoughts that contain the word I. That thought I in each of those sentences is the ego. The ego is the idea of a separate individual identity. The ego is identifies with the body and with thought and calls the body and thought I. The ego is thought. The ego is thinking. Other words for the ego, as the word is being used in this book, are imposter self, human mind, false self, false identity. There is far more to what the ego is than just thought. All that a human perceives is a part of the ego dream. However, for the purposes of this book, the focus is on the ego as thought. Self. The self with a capital S, is infinite, eternal, awareness, awareness, love, bliss. Those are five words pointing towards one awareness. Awareness, love, bliss are not three. They are one. The self is the background of awareness because almost all humans are in the habit of looking outward towards thoughts, the body, the world, people, places, things, etc. It appears as though the background of awareness, the self, wakes up in the morning and goes to sleep at night. If you turn your attention towards the background of awareness, eventually you will discover the background of awareness is continuous because almost all humans are in the habit of looking outward towards thoughts the body, the world, people, places, things, etc. It appears as though the background of awareness is limited. If you turn your attention towards the awareness that wakes up in the morning, instead of towards people, places, things, thoughts, etc., 
eventually you will discover that awareness is infinite, eternal, awareness, loveless. The background of awareness that appears to a wake up in the morning is there during all the waking hours until one goes to sleep at night. Thoughts come and go, but the background of awareness that is aware of the thoughts is there during all the waking hours and does not come and go. The background of awareness is the true self. Technically, one can say that the true self is the infinite awareness and your background of awareness is the doorway to that infinite awareness. Before you learn the language you know you now think in, the background of awareness was there. Then you learned the word I in your language. Your body was given a name and when people saw that body, they said, there goes John or Frank or Jane or Julie or Kuma or Radha or whatever name they gave your body. Thus the idea arose, I am John. I am this body. You existed as the background of awareness before that I thought arose. The thought calling itself I is an imposter self. The background of awareness is the true self. The fact that you existed before you learned the language that, that became your thoughts helps to reveal the difference between your true self and the imposter because you existed as the background of awareness before you learned the language that produced the thoughts you now think in. You can easily see that the thought I is an imposter. All thoughts are opposed to your real nature. You know that thoughts are not part of your true nature because you had to learn them. That is why you cannot speak, write, and think fluently in 200 different languages because you have not acquired those languages. You can observe that same process in an infant. You can see that an infant is aware before it learns any language. You can observe the child growing older and learning a language. You can observe when the child learns the word I and when the child begins to say the word I. Being able to see how the imposter arose in you and how the imposter arises in every human infant and child is a very important tool. The reason it is a very important tool is you do not have to rely upon someone else to tell you that the ego is an acquired imposter. You can observe this for yourself. Thought is something foreign, alien to the true self. Thought pretends to be the self. Thought is not the self. Thought is an imposter. Thought believes thought is a real entity and thought believes thought is a real self. Thought is not a real entity and thought is not a real self. Living from thought instead of living from awareness is the cause of all human suffering. The imposter is the cause of all human problems, sorrow, and suffering. The background of awareness is the true self. The awareness that appears to wake up in the morning is the true self. The awareness that appears to be looking through your eyes now is the true self.
As an example for clarification, you could view thinking and memory as something like a computer program. Within that computer program is a virus. The virus is called the I thought. The virus controls the program. The I thought controls all thinking. The virus pretends to be your true self. The I thought pretends to be your true self. The virus creates tremendous sorrow and suffering. The I thought creates tremendous sorrow and suffering. None of the sorrow or suffering is needed. What is needed is to delete the virus that pretends to be yourself. What is needed is to delete the imposter self. When one attempts to delete the virus, the virus sends out many thoughts claiming that deleting the virus is not a good idea. The virus has many strategies to preserve the illusion that it is real and to continue the delusion that it is the real self. In humans, the program that came from the outside and took control of their awareness is called thought, language, and thinking. In humans, the virus is called the ego or the I thought. The I thought or ego is an imposter pretending to be the self. The ego is the cause of all human suffering and sorrow. The ego is the cause of all disease, death, war, fear, anger, and violence. Although many thousands of years have passed, human beings have made almost no inward progress toward ending suffering, sorrow, war, fear, anger, violence, cheating, and lying. The ego, the imposter, has kept humans in the same pool of inward unsolved problems. Inward problems cannot be solved by looking outward. Inward problems can only be solved by looking inward. The ego knows that if the attention is turned inward, the ego will be found to be a myth, an imposter, an illusion, a delusion, a dream. Therefore, due to the ego's fear of ending, the ego keeps the, intention, the attention directed outward. Usually when people attempt to turn the attention inward, they are still looking outward because they do not understand the meaning of looking inward. All humans are slaves and the imposter self is their master. Exposing the strategies of that imposter self, how to put an end to those strategies, how to bring the imposter self to a final end, thus ending all suffering and sorrow and remaining in the true self, whose nature is infinite, eternal, awareness, love, bliss, are the primary purposes of this book. Ending the ego does not end the body. After the ego ends, the body will live, will live out the natural course of its life. One should never attempt to harm the body. The ego is the I thought. Ending the ego is ending the I thought. Ending the bodily life will not end the ego. The ego will create the dream of the new body when the old body ends. Thus, ending the body does not help to solve the problem. Humans all, almost always have their attention directed outward towards thoughts, people, places, things, experiences, etc. 
The background of awareness is the true self, and humans almost always ignore it. Your true self deserves your attention. When humans turn their attention away from thoughts, the body, the world, people, places, things, experiences, etc., and towards their awareness, eventually they will directly experience their true self. The imposter pretending to be yourself and calling its pretended self I should not be tolerated even for one moment, especially an imposter that has created so much suffering and sorrow should not be tolerated even for one moment. The imposter is like a parasite. All sorrow, suffering and delusions have one single root. The single root is thought. The root of the thought is the I thought. The root of the thought is the thought I. Thought is not part of your true nature. Thought is something you learn. Do not allow something you acquired to pretend to be yourself. Try this experiment. Set aside two hours when you have no other activities going on. Sit down in a place where you will not be disturbed. Shut your eyes. Make a decision that for the next two hours, you will not allow a single thought to arise. If you are really in control of thinking, then not even one thought will arise. If thinking controls you, then even though you have made the decision not to allow a single thought to arise, you will not be able to sit for two hours without a single thought arising. What a revelation this can be to discover that thought, something you, that you acquired, now controls you. Chapter 1 contains a description of the secret that has enslaved humanity for as long as there have been humans. Read this chapter very slowly three times before reading chapter 2. Some of the reasons for reading slowly and repetitively are that people read spiritual books and various self-improvement books, sometimes hundreds of them, without any major change occurring in their lives. One of the reasons for this is that they are not familiar enough with the teachings for the teachings to have become tools they can use. In other words, the teachings have not really sunk in after a single reading. By reading one chapter three times before going into the next chapter, there is much better chance of the teachings becoming a use a usable tool that can actually transform one's lives. Then, since this book teaches what the ego would prefer to block out, this is even truer for this book. It is an interesting experience to present a teaching, have someone imagine something about what they have read and then criticize the teaching based on what they imagined, which was not the teaching presented. interesting book. So that is end of chapter one. And if this sounds like something that interests you, 
I encourage you to get the book yourself and read it.